He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together. Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Friday, November 4, 2022. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you had a great week, pardon me, and I hope you have a great weekend in store. As I do most Fridays, I feel like, as you head into the weekend, I'd like to encourage you, because this is a military history, comedy, (laughs) self-help, feel-good podcast. At times, none of those things. At times, some of those things. I would like to remind you that you are in control of who you spend time with. And if there are people in your life that don't make you feel like you feel when you are most being your true self, when you're living authentically, when you're not thinking about who you are and how you're managing your impression and how you're coming across to people and did you say the right thing, did you respond the right way, did they need to thank you note, whatever the fucking thing is, if you're not around people who are making you feel most like yourself, let them go. You can do that. That's part of it. That's not also, I also want to underline here, I'm not saying blame other people for the disquiet in your soul, but I do think we have control over that to some degree. If you're incarcerated, that's a different mental journey. But it's, the, the, your mind is the most powerful thing that you have. Even if you're a dimwit, like I am at sometimes. I do believe in the power of stubbornness, and if you, you combine the right elements of, of vision... Right, where you want to go, what you in, what you, how you draw things up for yourself, and then you make a plan to get there. It's very important to make a plan to get there. And you're like, yeah, dude, what is the plan again with you? Well, I'm working on it. I've told you, headline comedy clubs and be there for my daughter's 30th birthday. And I'm closer this week than I was last week. But if you combine, if you have the vision, and then you you craft I suppose a strategy to get you there and then this is the most important part is you hold yourself accountable to executing the strategy and that requires at times self-discipline and sticking to the plan even though you might get distracted from the plan well guess what if you adhere to what you want to do you hold yourself accountable to the plan two things will happen you'll get closer to accomplishing your goals fuck, I really am on a self-help kick here today. Well, you know what? Because I'm living my best day right now. And I'll tell you about that in a second. One is you get closer to your objective, right? If you hold yourself accountable, you demonstrate impulse control, discipline to get to the next thing that leads you to your long-term destination, you will be successful that much closer. The other thing that will happen is you will increase self-esteem. You will boost the way you feel about yourself because you'll look at yourself and say, you know what? I am someone who did what they said they were going to do. Not because they had a gun to their back or this pressure of any other thing. I did it because I said I was going to do it and I did it. And there is a robust relationship, I believe, feel free to search Google Scholar, between self-discipline, holding yourself accountable, and how you feel about yourself. It's very important. So... Tell yourself you're going to go to the gym on Sunday and then go to the gym on Sunday. You'll feel better, not just physically, when you, and if you haven't gone in a while, you'll probably feel terrible on Monday. But just the fact of going and being consistent with what you said you were going to do will make you feel good about yourself. So that's my suggestion. And like I said, it did get pretty self-helpy, but you know why? Today, 
I am closer to that vision that I've discussed repeatedly and have flopped on occasionally, and that is the Friday podcast. I carve out time for myself in the morning. I indulge my brain, my curiosity, my creativity, my whatever's floundering around, flying through my big dome, and apparently I have a big head because people roast me about it when they roast me. Indulge it to sit down and record a podcast at liberty, not in the middle of the night, not where I feel like I need to get a podcast out, right? I'm not compelled by uh, doing that other than I like doing it, I like connecting with you, but I also like being consistent with my word, the word being bird. <laughs> bird is the word. The surfing bird, 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 bird. Here's the thing. I want to do this on my terms and I've been telling you that if I can carve time Friday to indulge my creativity to record the podcast I think uh, it's where I want to be in my life that's the vision that's just one piece of it I'm not you know there's much more going on in my life but as far as the podcast is concerned if I can record the Friday episode Friday morning put it up Friday afternoon it'll be a little bit later than today at uh, it'll, it'll come out a little bit afternoon because I have some other things that I have to do before I actually post it but I think it'll it'll make for a better podcast first. That's my priority. But also, if I'm if I've carved out that time and I've blocked it and told people you can't get a hold of me, I'm I'm indulging me time on Friday morning. I think it it'll uh, it's where I want to be. I could play the piano if I wanted to. I could write jokes. I could help someone with a script that they're writing. I could punch up your jokes. I could do any number of things indulging my creativity which I have to do to be sane and which I'm compelled to do anyway the point is recording this when I said I was going to do it Friday morning makes me feel good on a number of ways maybe I'm am I giving this is not is this a lesson I'm drinking water I'm drinking homemade black coffee and when I say homemade I mean like dark roast bags of uh French roast from Dunkin' Donuts, which is just delicious, and I'm doing it on my terms, okay, and, and I guess sort of hopefully showing you like I showed my daughter, if you're stubborn enough, <laughs> you too can do a one and a half with only, uh, you know, 15 face plants in the pool. I'm trying to make my life the way I want my life to be, I'm trying to be intentional about it, and Friday, all right, dude, you're fucking greatest, we get it, it's almost like 70 degrees and I'm not, I'll look and see it's, I, I'm not going to look on the internet but I'm going to look on my phone so I can tell my uh, listeners around the globe what 70 degrees Fahrenheit actually means actually you know what, international listeners <coughs> thank you for the support and go figure it out for yourselves if you really give a shit how warm it is in November <laughs> in uh, you know what, maybe the rest of the world I'll be the new voice of Please come around to everyone should think in Fahrenheit. But it's 70 degrees, people, around the globe, which means it's very nice. Uh, it's like shorts and T-shirt weather if you can get away with it on a Friday morning. I'm here with my coffee. I'm here with my water. So anyway, that's the beginning of the podcast. Look at that. I already feel better. Do I sound great? No. Am I sick? Kind of. Kind of. I've had a cold for four days. Uh, I think it's getting better. 
I think it's getting better, but um, my daughter and I had it this time. She started it and gave it to me. He started it. <laughs> she started it. Nuh-uh. Yes, you did. You hit me in the back seat and then before dinner. She started it, probably got it at school. Who knows? Who knows where we got it? But I've had it for four days. It could have been at one of seven different four-year-old birthday parties that I've been to. I told you Halloween was massive. We had a birthday party at 8.45 in the morning the other day. Then they had a birthday party. Another kid had a birthday party at 3.30 in the afternoon. And I was like, that's what, what you get when you go to a swanky, <coughs> quotation mark, school for your toddler. People can just have birthday parties at 3 in the afternoon on a Tuesday, and people will show up. My daughter and I did not show up there that early. Uh, we showed there up uh, a little more toward bankers' hours. But, uh, you know, in the last week combined with the Halloween events and stand-up comedy, I've probably been exposed to 600 people. I've, I've been within five feet of 600 different people. So I'm, I'm bound to get sick. And my daughter, you can have that. She's probably been, or third that, maybe she's been around 200 people. So we've been around a lot of people, and I'm, I'm, I have a cold. I thought it was maybe, I didn't think it was 19, but I did take a test, and it was negative. That would have been my third <laughs> bout of COVID. Speaking of which, you know that uh, the first bout of COVID was a disaster. Almost, uh, it'll be, we're coming up on a year. And at that time, is this neighbor who, no, someone else. I'm sitting out in my front porch where the sun is shining. Sun is shining? You'll recall the COVID of last year uh, with episodes titled We're Gonna Get Through This, Darkest Before the Dawn was a shit show. And immediately after that, we went to Miami, which also was a shit show. Well, we've been to Miami a couple times since then and had a great time. And I think are somewhat uh, delusional in the fact that we live in Miami. We live in Atlanta and Miami's like an hour and a half flight or two hours at the most. And it's like, oh, Miami's right there. We should go. It's a nice, easy getaway. And then we don't really like, calculate how much money it's going to cost. <coughs> because, and I say that maybe we have some increased awareness of the cost of going to Miami. And we'll spare anything for the child. But uh, after 20 years of marriage, when I think you know we're doing pretty well, my wife and I, we've had a, a good run, and I look forward to more of it. She said something pretty shocking to me. We've never gone outside of our relationship, but I'm being very candid. Last night she said to me, we could go to Miami and fly Spirit. And that was, that was shocking. <laughs> Does that sound bougie, everyone? Well, you know what? I do stand-up comedy. I'm grown. I've made a little bit of money. And most important is I hear other stand-up comics talk about Flying Spirit. And I think I'm scared. It sounds awful. <laughs> also, we want to take suitcases. We want to take luggage. And you can't, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can take a wallet on Spirit. But the flights are considerably cheaper, according to my wife. So there is thinking we could go to Miami, canceling fucking shows again. And you know who loves when you cancel shows? Bookers and club 
runners. They really like when you cancel shows with less than a few weeks out. They're like, how cavalier are you about this? I'm like, well, why don't you ask my wife? I'll tell you what the real dream is. The real dream would be to go to Miami. And this is the future dream that I'm going to iterate for myself. This is part of headlining comedy clubs. Is it unrealistic? Well, so much of comedy is delusional. It has to be delusional. How about a world in which I can fly, my wife, daughter, and I can fly to Miami for the weekend, and I can headline the, I think it's Miami Improv, right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we fly home on Sunday. I have the nights at the comedy club with the comics and the people talking shit, daytime with my ladies. That's the dream. That is the dream. So... That's where I need to head, but it's not going to get there by canceling shows that I already have on the calendar. Anyway, there's discussions about flying Spirit Airlines. And now I'll have to come clean if we do go. And once my wife, you know, I'm not that guy who earlier in a relationship, I'm like, I don't know, can we afford it? If you're in a relationship, and I can only speak from being in a long-term relationship with a woman, but I imagine it transfers in, in relationships of all types, uh, if you are the person who is always saying, I don't know, can we afford it? Afford it? It's going to be a lot. Maybe we shouldn't do that. You know, we need to save. You're not the fun person in the relationship. You might be the more disciplined and your relationship, you know, might benefit from that. You might gain self-esteem by not spending money or fucking whatever. But I would encourage you to err on the side of let's live. It's easy to say if you have money in the bank. But sometimes you have to bet on yourself you have to just say you know what this is going to be expensive but this is what this person wants i'm going to shut the fuck up and i'm speaking in part from experience absolutely i'm going to shut the fuck up and go along with it and they're never going to know that i was like oh my god how much is this dinner you know when i was super broke so just go for it because you know why pretty soon china is going to own us all anyway and it's not going to fucking matter how much money we have because we are all right there is a discussion of uh, Flying Spirit Airline. We will see how that turns out. I spoke with you on Tuesday, right before uh, right before Limerick, which was just ridiculous. Ian Aber and Wellington Juku each did like 15 minutes at the end, smashed, and you just got to check it out. Speaking of which, there are a lot of people or several people who listen to the podcast who have come to Limerick and told me to listen to the podcast and have come, they're comedy curious, I would say. And I haven't seen you in a while. You may be from Germany. You may be from Cartersville. But if you were comedy curious and you're not doing comedy, I'm sorry to be an asshole, <laughs> and I haven't seen you in three months, just know that you delayed what you are curious about and maybe really should be doing or indulging by three months. You also probably have a healthy, intact relationship, but later on you might experience, I don't fucking know, but if you listen to the podcast and used to come to Limerick and tell me, if you're one of the, if you're one of the people who listens to the podcast and does not come to Limerick, but used to come to Limerick, then let me know at least that you're okay. Let's start there. I do care. And for the people who listen to the podcast and come to Limerick and tell me, and you still do that, thank you very much. And you can, you can, if 
vouch for him. You can vouch for Limerick. I don't vouch for him, I vouch for Limerick. And speaking of comedy curiosity and people letting me know they're okay and letting the podcast uh, audience in general know that they're okay, I would like to shout out LNC and sort of send up a, a bat signal to let her know that w- we are thinking of you, we hope that you're well, and are a touch anxious that we haven't heard from you in a while. Now, I want to be clear, that does, mean, does not mean we need to hear from you. And you owe us no obligation to let us know how you're doing. But I just want to know, I want you to know that it's been on my mind each time I've sat down to record the podcast for the last month or two. And I'm sending you all my love and warm wishes. And I know a lot of people listen to the podcast probably are as well. So I hope you are fighting the good fight, as we've talked about. Being realistic with yourself, being positive, and being as much as optimistic as you can in the face of whatever is challenging you. I can't remember the last time I bombed my balls off, but I bombed my, well, actually I can. It was Wednesday night. (laughs) I was going to say prior to Wednesday night, I could not tell you when I bombed as comprehensively as I did on Wednesday night. (laughs) But here's the thing. It was a bomb that was so total and complete that I didn't even feel bad about it. And normally I'd say, well, you know, you're the quarterback who throws the interception and then is laughing on the sidelines, right? You've heard me say I, it drives me crazy when comics bomb and they come off stage like, who needs a drink? And they're happy and jovial. And it's like, no, dude, you should care as, everybody, as much as everybody else and you should want to go kill yourself. But I honestly didn't feel, and, and I, I felt that way numerous times where I, I bombed and then I see my friends backstage. They're not looking at me or they're laughing at me. And I'm like, I just want to go get in my car, not even drive home so much as just turn on the engine and let the fucking carbon monoxide fill up the car. But that's not the feeling I had on Wednesday night at all. I had a feeling of almost sociopathic indifference, neutrality, because it was such a bizarre setup, such a bizarre experience that... Know, I've probably said more than once if, if a homeless person tells you you're a bad person and that meaning they don't know you right so then you're like alright whatever you're like, you fucking asshole like okay but if, if someone who cares about you tells you that you're a fucking asshole then you should probably take that seriously this crowd was more like the former so let me set the scene here I told you that Craig Miller and Amy Brown run a terrific show at a distillery. Yes, there is a distillery called Old Fourth Distillery in the Old Fourth Ward. The aggressively, rapidly gentrifying Old Fourth Ward. A historic neighborhood in the city of Atlanta that... uh, has a great civil rights history and abuts to several other neighborhoods that are uh, so pivotal in so many events in the city and uh, as Atlanta 
as it says, as the sweatshirt says, Atlanta influences everything, uh, impacted so many things that happened before it. So this is a neighborhood that's incredibly gentrified. I mean, at laser quick pace. There's Old Fourth Distillery. And the show is, I've done it numerous times over the years. It's been great. Craig and Amy are pros. And the crowd is usually good to pretty good, I would say. You know, it's it's a distillery, so the room's like a little loud and and uh, cold at times. You know, meaning the words like bouncing off that stone wall and into that kettle and bouncing around. But it's usually a fun show. On Wednesday night, and they had asked me sometime a couple months ago if I would do it. Whoops, sorry about that. I said, sure, it's a Wednesday night, so I need to get coverage at the Laughing Skull because I'm usually there. So I got the Laughing Skull night covered. Again, you have a job. Do people like when you get your shift covered? Well, that's for you to decide. I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to do it. And they said, great, it's going to be this special night uh, involving the, I, I don't even know the exact name of it, the Bourbon Atlanta of women, Atlanta Atlanta Women Bourbon Club or something like that. So they're bourbon enthusiasts, which, you know, it's a, it's a distillery, so they make bourbon. And I was not drinking on that night because I was sick, but I've had their bourbon, and it's delicious. Wait a minute. Did you just say you were sick while you are doing the show, possibly infecting other people? Yeah, but, you know, they're comics, so they're expecting that. What about the crowd? Or could that have informed your uh, performance? Absolutely. It could have. Were you feverish before you went on? I don't think so. Anyway, so the show was for the Atlanta Bourbon, Atlanta Female Bourbon Society or something like that. All right, this, so this sounds like this is going to be a good time. There's going to be some rip-roaring broads throwing down some brown liquor and hooting and hollering. And I knew I was going later in the show, uh, but I still showed up close to on time and when I walked in Craig was up he was hosting essentially doing his thing and they were exactly that hooting and hollering and woo and yee and loud and you know if it were a comedy club you'd be like alright dude give it a second let me get through the setup but you know they were it was like fun it was like alright I, I know this kind of crowd this is going to be great this is going to be uh, sassy and this is going to be you bet your ass kind of crowd. All, all characteristics that I'm familiar with and generally excel with when doing stand-up comedy. A challenge in the show, and this is not <laughs> directed at Craig and Amy, is that every comic, <coughs> and there might have, excuse me, been six of us. I can tell you how many. One, two, three, four, yeah, six of us are doing 15 minutes each. And candidly, that's too much. Especially as it turns out, now here comes a big truck up my street. Hold on one sec. Okay, this is crazy also because it's uh, November 4th in Atlanta. It's almost too hot out here and I'm sitting on the porch in my boxers and a t-shirt and slides and I almost need to put on sunscreen or go on natural so envision that anyway i think six comics doing 15 minutes it's just me it's just a bit much 
there's not a, a dynamism, if you will, like like in music. So, you know, dynamics. That sound patron- Does that sound patronizing when I talk about dynamics? The up and down, the range of experience, the range of sensation, right? So you take the Radiohead song Creep, which is like, and then it comes back down. So it has a lot of dynamic. It's low, then it's high, then it's low, and it's high, and then it's higher again. And then it closes up and down, right? Just imagine waves going up and down. When you have six comics doing 15 minutes, there's not a lot of dynamics, even if they're all different performers. And it wasn't like there were bad comics on the show other than me. So six comics doing 15 minutes, it's just a long time to to not have uh, the dynamics is exactly what I'm talking about. Some variety in the pacing. Like here comes somebody who's going to do, the host is going to do seven, the next person is going to do ten, someone else will do 15 to 20, and then a closer will do 40, right? Maybe that's too much at the end, 40, but it's, it's a... it's not kind of monotonous. And this is not a knock on them. It's just my fucking thought or my rationale for bombing my balls off. I no longer have them. So, six comics doing 15 minutes. Craig is having a great time. They're hooting and hollering. He comes off. Pardon me. Amy goes up. They, she does a great thing. They're her crowd a little bit. You know, they're, they're you know, she's a southern woman, I guess. Uh, but, you know, she's doing her thing. Two other comics go on. It slows down a little bit. But what becomes really apparent is the audience is fucking smashed. But, like, you know, an Atlanta bourbon women's club, these are not, like, you would expect from some group named that. This is not a bunch of 25-year-olds from Athens, Georgia, who are ready to go and are starting at this comedy show. You know what I've, I've noticed is the, I always ask people, can you hear the ambient noise? And you can't, but it sounds like I'm sitting in the back of a grocery store that's being loaded by a man who's wheeling a dolly down a 700-foot tin roof. But you can't hear it, so fuck it. These are not girls. These are not, these are, these are grown women. And they are, the hooting and hollering's kind of slowing down to like slurry talky. And huh, kind of, there's dynamics, no doubt, in their responses, because it's like silence, explosion occasionally, sluggish, uh, just, you know, sloppy. Combined with the fact now at the back of the distillery is an immense amount of talking. Just, so you have the comic talking on stage, and then you have an audience that is increasingly sloshed and tired. You know, they work. They have kids. They're, they're bourbon women. These are not co-eds from Emory <laughs> who are going out on a big one. These women, this is their night out, and they don't know how to hold their liquor anymore. And as the phrase goes, God love them. However, a great comedy audience do they not make. Over time. So there's a comic on stage. There's there's uh, the crowd. And then back, you know, another measure behind them is the bourbon bar itself where the talking is just out of control. So there's a cacophony of noise sort of 
pinning in the audience, if you will, getting them from behind the talking, someone getting them in front, the comic, and this guy on my street making so much noise with the truck. So, it's like, how, it's a real challenge, you've heard me say it, if, if you're, even in a comedy club where that's the only task, that's the only task the audience has to do is sit there and enjoy the comedy, I think you're a little more empowered to tell people to shut the fuck up. I don't necessarily do it, I'm not a big fan of it, but it needs to happen now and again. In a distillery event for the Atlanta bourbon women, where there is also comedy happening, it's a tougher ask, I think, for you to say, hey, would you all show up, spend money to get in here, and then buy a bunch of brown liquor, throw it down your throats, while also shutting the fuck up? It's a tall ask. So it just makes for an awkwardness. You know, like getting someone to buy something, to pay to buy alcohol, and then asking them to be quiet is just a tall order. Right or wrong, you're going to be vexed. So I know Craig and Amy were trying to get their hands around it, and, and Amy, I could tell, especially was, uh, you know, she felt bad about it. But was, I, I said to her, like, what are you going to do? I mean, you can gently say it, but then they're just going to be like, I was having a good time, so you came over here. Or not, I don't know. So the comic before me, he did fine. He was working, but he did he did fine. He's a funny comic, and he did fine. I mean, he, I don't know, you'd have to... The com- All right, here's how it went. Craig went, and Amy went. I'm not going to say the other comics, because, you know, I didn't tell them I was going to share parts of their conversation, and Craig and Amy are grown, and... You know, they're not going to get mad at me for talking about them. But I, I want to... Anyway, so the cop... So Craig went, did fine. Amy went, did fine. Uh, when Craig was going, though, the hooting and hollering at, at like, kind of inappropriate or mistimed... Inappropriate, like, mistimed places suggested these people are not in their first ring. They're on at least their second bourbon, if not their third. Craig went, did fine. Amy went, did fine. The third comic, he he did okay. He did okay. He was kind of he was kind of battling, and there were some lulls. And again, fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes. And afterward, I I said to him, I said, "How'd it go?" You know, I saw it, but I was like, "How'd it go?" He's like, "Yeah, it was it was pretty good. You know, it was all right." He's like, "I oh, know." And then he joking, he's like, "Yeah, I killed. You know, and it was good." I'm like, really? Did you have fun? And he goes, no, I, I, I didn't have any fun at all. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't think so. So I could see where it was headed. And, and the talking had amplified. And then the next comic did okay for him. I, I see him do a lot better a lot of the time. But I didn't get time to ask him uh, if he had fun. So then they bring me up. So I... I thought I was going last. I was not going last. There's a, a comic I'd never heard of was going last, uh, 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 which is strange for me to do a show in Atlanta. I've never heard of the comic, uh, but she she was going last after me. So they bring me up. The when they say my name, and Amy did her best to try to, hey, super funny X Y and Z podcast. They're. A couple like, I just clapped and the dog fucking freaked out because he's such a sweetheart. He thinks that there's a gunshot in Tennessee. There is a gunshot in Tennessee, but I'm just out here, dude. They're just like a couple muffled like, yeah, okay. 
to the point where Amy had to like wave her arms on like like a referee telling a faking Spanish soccer player to get the fuck up and stop making a four-course meal out of someone maybe touching him or Klinsman diving for Tottenham back in the 90s. This is Amy trying to amp her arms up like a referee telling, no, 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 get up. I'm not buying your flopping and diving here. Get up. Get up, Brazilian national team. Get up, Neymar, you diving baby. (laughs) All right. That's what Amy's doing. She's trying to tell the crowd, like, dude, what the fuck? Make some noise. And they didn't make a whole lot more. And then I... That's that's how I started. And I bombed for 15... I don't know how many minutes it was. I took my phone up there <coughs> and somehow forgot to press record. I like to record all my sets. Uh, somehow forgot to press record. And another comic's like, it's just as well. <laughs> You don't need to hear that. I'm like, I know, but I just want to see how much how long I did. What so what were particular low lights? I don't think I gave in, but I also was not I was not chasing them because they were I could see and I could see their faces, their middle aged faces like mine. They were you know, if I were to be like really it's been a while since I've had a big brown liquor rat face on me, but I, their faces were all like droopy. And they're just kind of looking at me. I'm looking, and they're like, he's one of us. Why is he sober, you know? I'm like, well, because I'm sick. I make a quick joke about the bourbon women of Atlanta, and then I said something like, and, you know, like, I'm glad you all are here talking about the people who have not left the main show to go talk at the back of the bar. I said, you all are the bourbon women of Atlanta, and those people in the back are the, you know, uh, the women of Atlanta who can't hold their bourbon or something like that. And that got a laugh. But in the first 45 seconds of me talking, three people to the left, front left of the stage, stage left, would not stop talking. And it's not a huge space, to be honest with you. <laughs> Meaning it's very narrow, so there are numerous rows of seats going back, but it's pretty... You know, there might be like six or eight seats in a row. So three people talking in the front row is almost half of the row. It's noticeable. And I, But I didn't. You know, I'm kind of professional in these occasions. These people didn't pay money, but they're, I'm not letting them tell me what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight. I'm going to give it a shot. But they're telling me we'd just rather talk and fucking we'll go do that. But I didn't say anything about that. I, except I did say, okay, and I, I looked at him, and people kind of noticed I was looking at him, and they keep talking, but I don't want to, I'm a man, what am I? I'm a man, God damn it. I don't want to provoke them too early in my set. Maybe I should have. I don't know. They were comatose. I don't want to provoke them too early in my set, so I just kind of raised my eyebrows like, well, they clearly are having a good time or some dumb shit like that. I am going to address my remarks to you all. And they kind of appreciate it. To the rest of the crowd. I kind of like put my arms around the rest of the crowd. You all. And uh, I don't think I have really sophisticated cerebral material. But with almost every joke I told, people looked at me with like puzzlement. <laughs> like they were, 
the and and people did laugh. Here's the thing: they laughed, but not out loud. It was like they were behind a glass wall. So I saw numerous sets of teeth out there, but also forty percent of fifty percent of the crowd was looking at me like, "Huh? Like, what does that mean? Like, what are you asking of us? I, do you know that I'm?" A native English speaker? How on earth can you expect me? That's the level of fucking confusion they have on their face. And I knew it four minutes in. Like, this is going to be one of those. One of those. This is going nowhere, by the way. It's going nowhere. There are sometimes you get a laugh in a comedy club or a comedy room, and it sustains, right? It builds like, ha, 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 ha. The next one, ha, ha. Other times it's like one act plays. Like, ha, 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 closed next one haha this was like <laughs> occasionally i get a little a little something but i'm seeing this confusion almost confusion and like i said my material i don't think is that cerebral but i am going to talk about race <laughs> to a room full of bourbon drinking smashed white people maybe 20 maybe 15 percent of the audience was black or at least appeared to not be white uh and they didn't want to hear that i don't know what they wanted to hear they wanted to hear the show is over you can have a little more bourbon and try your best to get home safely and we know you're not going to call an uber so for the love of all things sacred at least put your fucking lights on when you drive on the highway as someone did not that night when i was driving home just merge right on the freeway it's Atlanta, the connector downtown. There's like 10 million cars there just going 80 miles an hour. You just merge in your big BMW with no lights on like this. <laughs> this is how people get weeded out. Some would say natural selection. But that's what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear the show is over. So a third of the way through, nothing is happening. They Again, the looks of confusion when I talk about race, uh, you know, I see black people smiling maybe laughing a little bit and white people looking at me in further confusion. I don't know what they're thinking, but also I'm not invested in it. And I'm also not chasing them. I'm not giving up, but I'm not chasing them. This is not, I don't know, just not that, that crowd that I was chasing for anything. This is not me, you know, featuring in Miami and I'm in a hole and I got to go get them because if I don't, I'm never going to come back to this place. So it's not to say I didn't give a shit about this show. I give a shit greatly about the show, but I started caring less and less about the people because the number of them smashed and sort of incoherent. Just the look of confusion. Like, who is? They're like looking at me like, who is he? And the answer is, I'm the sober one, which is not always something I can be found saying, but I was. But they're looking at me like, I had no idea this was going to happen tonight. And that told me, that and the fact that I wasn't going to chase him. My parents got divorced. You know who I am. I'm not going to, I'm going to love with all my heart people who love me, but I'm not going to chase people to get their love. And that extends to stand-up comedy. I will, I'm not going to ever give up or bail. I did have a thought of like bailing like Larry David, I've never bail on my time. I would never do that. They're going to endure me, and they did, for my full time, my full set. 
But I did have the, it crossed my mind during my set. The Larry David, like you know, fuck you guys, you're just not worth it. Not like running off in shame, like you know people do when they bomb. I would never do that. But as I'm standing up there bombing, I'm just kind of looking around. At, like I see some smiles. I see, uh, like I say, the utter look of confusion. Talking, I address them. I try to bring them in at one point, talking about do y'all have kids? And then, again, like kids, like what are those? Just a you're, imagine your aunt that you like but don't love a whole lot, like, wasted, you know, and it's, like, funny until it's not. Or you know what, imagine most moms in Philadelphia. Have you ever seen a drunk mom in Philadelphia after she's, have, after she's fun? That's what this crowd started looking like. Like, who the fuck are you? What do you mean kids? What is a kid? <laughs> She, what is the expression? She's sunny around midnight. She isn't always that way in the morning or something. I don't know. It was like a bunch of smashed, working on their hangovers, Philadelphia moms. Still talking over here. What do you mean we have kids? And I said this to this woman, like, well, you have a kid. And you know what her response was to me? She, and when I say response to me, that's a correlation. Because there was nothing I did the whole night that provoked any reaction in her. So please don't mistake me saying her reaction to me as me actually being a stimulus and her actually having a response. It was just a simple correlation. I happened to be talking and she happened to be doing something. I want to be very clear. This woman had no sensation. I don't think she perceived me there. I said something to her and what she did at that time as I'm talking to her is she she pulled out some Kleenex, and and I just imagine it coming out of like one of those old cigarette holder packs with the two metal things that you twist and the Carltons pop out of it. She pulls out this Kleenex and blows her nose with her eyes half closed. It wasn't like a squeeze as hard as you can, press your eyes closed together, and you have an explosion of snot into this thing. It was just like a... Like a half-assed, she maybe remembered she was in public, so she didn't air it out with a big sneeze. But there also was a man standing there talking to her. She didn't know that. That's where I was in this show. This is two-thirds of the way now through. And I said to the crowd at that moment, I want to take you into the experience I am having right now. I had an experience in my life that compelled me, or I've had numerous experiences across my life, things in me that compelled me to get up in front of total fucking strangers and try to establish a connection and share a bond. Subsequent to that, I had experiences in my life that led to me reflecting and thinking about, hey, this might be some something we all have in common. I'm going to sit down and try to make a joke out of it. I'm going to make some material out of it, and then I'm going to practice it and get it in a sort of usable way and take it onto a stage so I can tell half-blind people in a bourbon sorority, an aging sorority, my thoughts. And when I, all of those things across my life, all of those things, my parents getting divorced, <laughs> being a stand-up comic, having an experience that leads me to write material, standing up there, the culmination of that moment is an audience member putting her face into her hands 
and expelling snot out of her head. And then I said to them, I have enjoyed, and this is, I wasn't giving up, but I was letting them know, like that's where we were. And then I said to them, I have enjoyed zero minutes of my time on stage. <laughs> and needless to say, that got the biggest pop of all. I said, please do not laugh now. I do not care to hear what you think. <laughs> I wasn't an asshole like, fuck you and any of that. I just told them that and I got the biggest laugh. I did not enjoy any of my minutes up here tonight. And please, and I'm not going to, and I still had like two more bits that I wanted to tell. And I told them and they went nowhere. Um, more confusion. What? Is it over? I said... I've enjoyed none of my minutes up here. And then they started laughing, and I said, please don't start laughing now. <laughs> I don't know if I said that, but I said, and please do not come up to me after the show and talk to me. <coughs> I didn't think that was a real possibility, but I knew, you know, the people that were coherent, there were some younger people, I knew that they were laughing. I could see that. But these bourbon women dominated the show with their sad, leathery, you know, concha hawking Philly fucking Germantown misery that it just it sort of uh, it ruined my time <laughs> they were so puzzled what is he doing here who is this guy did someone are we at a wedding where's the other person what is going on here and I just imagine the ghosts of the civil rights leaders who used to walk those streets on a daily basis thinking about such existentially more important issues than what was transpiring in that room at that moment and I just said at the end I didn't say thank you I didn't say uh, have a nice night I said I'm going to leave now and I put the mic back in the stand and I walk back and sure enough by the time I'm at the back row there's a guy who's leaning out trying to shake my hand and say something and I just kept walking uh, and I talked to the comic who was on before me, the one I mentioned, like, oh, fuck, I didn't record my set. And he goes, yeah, no, don't worry about that. <laughs> You're not going to want that one. He was right about that. But I, I didn't feel, going back to the top of the story, I didn't feel bomb shame. It was weird. It was the first time I think I've not experienced bomb shame. Other comics, you know what I'm talking about? If I bombed and I felt like, you know, everybody else was, you know, like, I don't know how to say everybody else was killing because the first two comics did well and then it sort of petered off. I don't know what happened in the comic after me um, because I left. But I didn't leave, like, hanging my head. I stopped and talked with my comedy friend and he's like, yeah, you don't want that set. But um, I didn't feel any shame. I didn't want to kill myself. I didn't feel any, like, oh, my God, I'm so terrible. I was just like, I was just one of those ones. And uh, horsemen pass by, whatever that quote is from William Butler Yeats. That's nothing to see here, nothing to get too involved in. There was, uh, there was only so much I was going to do with that, and I didn't even do that, and that's the way that goes. So I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I'm not going <laughs> to... It was wild, but it was 
a total bomb. And Amy actually sent me a note afterwards saying something like, thank you so much for coming. I'm so, I'm so sorry the crowd was so, all caps, hammered. But there's like, I say this as a drinker in a comic, there's a good audience hammered, and then there's a hammered audience where it's like, we are flogging Molly here, sir. Anyway, that is my bomb story for this week. I'm sweating now out here in my underwear, and uh, I just pulled up my shirt to flash the neighbors right across the street. Apparently, a neighbor who complained about some noise, the new neighbor, complained about some noise down the street the other night. Also has a sign that says, uh, regulate women, not guns. As I said before, why can't we do both? All right, have a great weekend, and I look forward to talking to you on Tuesday. Really excited about being out here on a Friday morning. I, have you, I hope you have a great weekend. Remember all the self-help stuff. Thank me for none of the military history, supposed military history, and uh, I will talk to you on Tuesday. Bye.